a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones will have to pay $4 million to the family of a boy killed in the Sandy Hook shooting, a tragedy that he had called a hoax. But he could still be forced to pay even more in damages. And so we wanted to go just beyond the headlines of all of this. Uh, the latest on this trial, what does it mean for free speech, anti-harassment laws, and more? And really pleased to have joining us on the line, Royal Oaks, who, of course, is a legal analyst for ABC News. He's joining us today from Los Angeles. And, Royal, we appreciate you making some time. And uh, give us first just kind of a, a lay of the land. For those who haven't been following too closely, what has played out uh, in this Texas jury? Uh, where does it now stand? Yeah, well, of course, the background is the 2012 Sandy Hook massacre, where many elementary school-aged children were killed, occurred. And then Alex Jones got a lot of attention by saying, well, it was really a fake. They're just trying to concoct something to take our guns away. The kids weren't really killed. Well, of course, uh, the families who were involved sued uh, because essentially Jones was calling them liars. So they sued for defamation and emotional distress. And just this week, a jury in Austin, Texas, awarded $4.1 million to two of the parents. And now in a civil case where you do something really egregious, you can also get, in addition to regular damages of $4 million, punitive damages, depending on the wealth of the defendant. The idea is to punish him, to send a message, never to do that kind of thing again. And so as we speak, this jury is deliberating on punitives. They could add another $4 million. They could add $150 million. It's It's really up to them, subject to some certain legal guidelines. Yeah, and so as they uh, as that plays through, uh, and again, uh, you mentioned these additional damages. Is there also this is also open the gates uh, for other families uh, that uh, you know were part of that tragedy uh, to to do similarly in, in other places. That's exactly right. And in fact, three other families have filed similar suits. And all four of the suits, the one that's pending in Austin right now and the other three, have resulted in a loss for Jones because he refused to hand over his financial records that was required as part of the pretrial or discovery phase of the case. So these trials going on are default trials where he does not have a right to say, no, I didn't defame them. I didn't inflict emotional distress. It's just a matter of how much he should have to pay. So after this Austin jury completes its task as to one of the couples in the next month or two, you're going to see three more trials in Connecticut and in Texas involving three other families. And it's going to be kind of a rerun, but it's going to really grind Jones down financially. Of course, he declared bankruptcy several days ago. And uh, the lawyers for the family say he's shoveling 11 grand a day into shell companies, that he was making $800,000 a day uh, selling diet supplements and uh, gun paraphernalia and survivalist gear. So it's a huge mess financially and legally, and there's just no end in sight for Alex Jones. Yeah, and uh, it appears that his lawyers uh, didn't do him 
uh, a whole lot of favors in the course of the trial. Of course, the truth came out for the family, which is the, the most important thing. Yeah, a good grief. Talk about uh, messing up uh, on the part of the lawyer. During the case, Jones denied that he had any more texts pertaining at all to Sandy Hook. Well, by accident, several days ago, Jones's lawyer sent all of Jones's texts and emails for the last two years to the lawyer for the families. And so and then he didn't even try to claw it back, claiming it was somehow privileged or inadvertently produced. So as a result, these texts that were accidentally produced prove that Jones lied, that, in fact, he had lots of Sandy Hook texts he hadn't owned up to. So it's you're talking about legal malpractice. You're talking about perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars in damages. It's just an enormous legal mess. Yeah. And now let's broaden this out. I'd love to get your perspective on this, Royal, in terms of looking at uh, how this kind of spreads out a little bit in terms of uh, free speech, anti-harassment laws. How does uh, how does that all play out in the context of of what's gone down in Texas? Well, some people, of course, whenever they hear about a a verdict against a broadcaster or a public person uh, for defamation, they worry that Jesus can have a chilling effect on free speech. But the fact of the matter is, if you are trying to injure somebody, if you know it's a lie and you tell the lie, you kind of have lost your right to free speech. Essentially, uh, you're in a situation where, you know, it's not an absolute right. You can't yell a fire in a crowded theater and you can't lie about somebody uh, in terms of their family or their reputation. So uh, some people may be concerned about the precedent here, but this is a pretty unusual case. Yeah, definitely. And then is it uh, kind of dig us in a little bit on the uh, the anti-harassment laws and how that plays into this? Right. In terms of harassment, of course, you're not supposed to interfere with uh, people's uh, right to enjoy life peaceably. You can't uh, physically interfere with them. You can't send them, you know, a thousand text messages a day. And, of course, just total lack of judgment by both uh, the lawyer for Jones and Jones comes into play here. For example, during this trial, while a jury of 12 people in Austin, Texas, hearing the evidence, Jones goes on his show and he says, well, the judge is linked to pedophilia and human trafficking. And he says the the jurors are blue collar types. They don't know what planet they're on. Not exactly good judgment when you're in the middle of a trial to say things like that. And then in the final argument, uh, Jones's lawyer got up and said, well, okay, since uh, you're probably going to award a certain amount of money for defamation here, I suggest one dollar each for each of the acts of defamation. So I I suggest a total amount of eight dollars. Well, the jury said no to that. They said four point one million dollars. And now. They're looking into the question of whether there should be millions more assessed against Jones in the form of punitive damages. Yeah. And is there any kind of time frame on that in terms of those deliberations? Well, you know, there's kind of a meme. Uh, jurors love to get out of Dodge. They love <laughs> to finish up on Friday so they'll have their life back, have the weekend free. Uh, if you study the, the trends in a lot of high-profile cases, we've seen this Friday verdict phenomenon. It doesn't always happen, but it wouldn't be a bad bet to uh, to uh, place a bet on a jury verdict on punitives today so that this jury can get their lives back. But maybe they won't be able to agree. They have to agree unanimously in Texas mm-hmm. on punitives, which is different from California and most other states. And so they may come back Monday or Tuesday to uh, finish up the job. All right. Royal Oaks, legal analyst for ABC News, joining us from Los Angeles today. Thanks so much for your perspective and insight. Uh, Fascinating case. And uh, this is not uh, the end. I think this is just the end of the beginning, it looks like, on this one. Thanks for joining us today. You bet. All right. And that's Royal Oaks, uh, legal analyst for ABC News. And uh, so important to to break that all down and look at the, the wider ramifications uh, in all of that. We're going to go ahead and step aside uh, for b- bottom of the hour news. When we come back, 
Of course, Senator Sinema has said she's on board with the Democrats' spending bill. James Walner from the R Street Institute says there's still a hurdle and it's not a member of the Senate. It's the parliamentarian. What role will she play in how the weekend plays out for the Democrats? Find out after bottom of the hour news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.